Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. The 11th victory Monday, and boy, was this one excruciating, but the Kansas City Chiefs figure out a way to win in Houston, home of Travis Scott, 30-24 to to improve to 11-3 and on the season. And really, um, it, this this game can be summed up in one little phrase here, and that, and that phrase for me is uh, sleep or slept, walked. Because that's exactly what this Chiefs team did. They showed up and slept through this entire game, and it nearly bit them in the ass. Johnny Rowe joins me this uh, this victory Monday, as always. Blaine, no Blaine today. Um, he was up to some suspect things yesterday. Nothing weird, but uh, an inability to watch the game. Not really for sure what was going on as I was working and uh, Johnny was working too. But we all had the game on. Blaine figured out a way to not watch the game anyway. He'll be back later this week. But, Johnny, let's just get your thoughts, I guess, real quick. Um just a real sleepwalk, and and we talked about this too. That when when you do that in the NFL, the 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 term any given Sunday was very applicable here um, yesterday. And the one eleven and one at the time Texans nearly handed the Chiefs probably the most embarrassing loss in the NFL, but the Chiefs found a way to get it done. Johnny, welcome welcome to the show. Hey Chandler, yeah, victory Monday feels good. Uh... You know, two games in a row, Chiefs versus the Broncos, Chiefs versus the Texans versus teams that you would have hoped the Chiefs would have just buried into the dirt, but they didn't. But they got wins at the end of the day, so that's always good. Yeah, a lot of thoughts. I'm curious to get your your take on this, too, uh, on, on, on multiple things. But I think that the way that I want to start this is on a positive note, and that's just – and we know this, but Patrick Mahomes is God. unbelievable. God, and he's football god. He really is. He is just – and we don't have to prove it anymore. I mean, really, like, Bills fans are always going to ride with their guy. Um, Bengals fans are going to ride with their guy because of the head-to-head record with Patrick Mahomes. But there really is only one best player in football. Colin Cowherd today, um, he said on his show that Mahomes is the best player he's ever seen. It, and it's just the truth. Like anybody else is really just kind of burying their head in the stand or they don't really want to say it. I mean, 36 of 41, 336, two touchdowns, one on the ground. He ended the game completing 20 straight passes, which is – I mean, this is the Texans suck, but they their defense has been playing pretty good football. You know, they've lost some close games. They're probably not as bad as their record shows. But, you know, this is a professional defense that he's doing this against – um, the, the the refs were ridiculous. Carl Sheffers, we'll get into him too. But in spite of everything, again, Patrick Mahomes puts the team on his back and just wills them to victory regardless of what's happening. And that's just the marks of a true MVP. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you, you just can't – you cannot say enough about him. And, you know, you, you lose Tyreek Hill and everyone's – you know, you've heard all these stories, right, Chandler, like – Mm-hmm. You know, Aaron Rodgers loses Devontae Adams. and Look how bad they are. Well, you know, that didn't happen for the Chiefs. And that's because Patrick Mahomes is the greatest talent, the greatest football player that we've ever seen. It doesn't matter who's around him. Listen to this. His three probably most trusted targets, Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Jarek McKinnon, uh, were targeted 28 times in the game. 
And when Mahomes targeted those three players, he was 28 of 28. That is ridiculous. Travis Kelsey is the greatest tight end of all time. So, I mean, he's an amazing player. Juju Smith-Schuster, very talented player, but a player that is on a one-year contract. Teams didn't want to give him the big money deal after last year's injury at the end of the season for Pittsburgh. And Jarek McKinnon is a 30-year-old running back who's had three major surgeries and has been on three or four different teams. You know, it's not like all three of these – it's not like all three of these players are – all pro type players, Travis Kelsey is, but the other two aren't. Yeah. It's just, it is every week, every week we are so blessed as fans to have this guy on our team. Because when, when we get into the negatives that we're going to talk about, and then I'll shut up here, I've said a lot, but when we get into the negatives of this team, which I think there are some more to talk about, the number one thing that comes out to me is overall roster talent. Overall talent on this roster when compared to other Super Bowl contenders is lacking. And it just doesn't matter because Patrick Mahomes is the great equalizer and he's the best player in football and we got him. Yeah, it really is crazy. I mean, uh, I like your point about Juju and Jarek. I mean, some of these other guys that he's playing with, Noah Gray, three catches for 31 yards. Marquez Valdez-Scanley had a huge touchdown, three catches for 26 yards. Um, I mean, he has the worst receivers in the AFC, and I don't even think it's close. I mean, think of the Bills, think of the Bengals, and think of the Chargers just on the top of your head. All three have better receiver units than we do, and and you're right. That's a great way to put it. Patrick is the great equalizer, and he proved it again. I do want to say one good thing about Houston. Um, you know, being 111-1, and one, I've been on bad football teams in the past, and you just kind of get a feeling that like Houston's bad, yes, but they are still playing right now. I thought that their defense was very impressive, um, scrappy, got in the Chiefs' heads, were physical. You know, a lot of people are are you know talking about that some of the kind of the dirtier looking plays the Texans kind of put on the Chiefs' uh, offensive players. Um, I'm honestly, I'm not really defending them because obviously I don't want that to happen. But when you're one eleven and one, be a dick. You're playing for another job opportunity. You're putting stuff on rost on on film for teams to add to their roster. Like, yeah, you know, we don't like seeing them slamming Mahomes to the ground. But someone that might want to sign that guy that did it sure does. And and honestly, I. You know, from a Chiefs perspective, I had a problem with it. But when you really take a step back and look at it, these guys are fighting for their career. So um, give credit to the Texans for showing up and putting on a fight. And and really, it's just, Johnny, I think what it is at the end of the day is the Chiefs are insanely good at football. I really do at the end of the day, I think that. But they are notorious for playing to their competition. And that's two weeks in a row where they are the far superior team. And they played down to a very inferior inferior opponent in both weeks that almost bit them in the ass. But to sum up the, the start of this podcast, Patrick Mahomes is the great equalizer, and he wills the Chiefs to a 30-24 to 24 victory. Let's get into the game itself, Johnny. Let's start on the D. Uh, let's start on the offense. I think it's a little bit more cut and dry. I think the offense is a little bit more cut and dry. First off, early in the game, I thought the Chiefs – okay, let's, let's start here, Johnny. <laughs> I'm going to ask you this question. 
do the Chiefs come out of the gate and do they press too much? Because every week we come out and it's like we try to win the game in the first quarter. And quite frankly, we suck in the first quarter. So I don't get why we don't ease ourselves into the game. I feel like, and this is my complete perspective, I'll turn it over to you. I feel like this Chiefs team comes out and tries to set the new single week uh, record um, in terms of, of yards or touchdowns in the first quarter. Instead of settling into the game and, and understanding that it's a four-quarter game. I swear it looks like we try to win the game in the first quarter, Johnny. Any thoughts on that? That's an interesting take. I I, I don't know because I feel like a lot of the time the Chiefs are kind of not disinterested, but they are definitely – they definitely can come off casual in the first quarter. I think this. I think Mahomes is okay sometimes just kind of just figuring it out in the first couple of drives because he knows he's going to be able to get it to win it or get it close if they're down throughout the rest of the game. Like he's that good. So maybe there's just some you know like the Minnesota Vikings who we'll get into in the in the preview pod, you know, of course, huge comeback win, but like the re, you know, they have to be really good on the first drive because it's scripted and they have to set themselves up for the rest of the game. Like a lot of these teams, the Chiefs just kind of feel it out. I think what's working, what's not working, what they're seeing. And then it's so much feel for Mahomes as the game goes on um, that he can just naturally play. And, and so I don't think your point is wrong or or right I think this just is what it is with the Chiefs like in the entire time with Andy Reid I feel like they start slowly oh you know they but I mean they they win so like it's just you know however it's going to happen but you know like if you think what was the what's the best game the Chiefs have played this year because I don't think they they I know they haven't played a complete game the best game they've played this season was against the 49ers and they started off down 10 nothing so it's like can I counter ridiculous. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would like to counter that. I think Tampa was a complete game, and we started that game off with a fumble on the kickoff, and then we scored two plays later, and it was a drubbing from then on. And I thought our yeah, defense yeah. played great that game. That's just You're that's right. just a that's just an argument, and I really lose the argument at the end of the day because that's only one out of now fifteen. So like or fourteen technically. So like where I'm not really right. <laughs> yeah. So. I think you're right. So uh, Johnny Rowe is wrong, but I, I, I look. I think, I think offensively, the point that I just want to make is that they they outgained the Texans five hundred two to nineteen, and it took overtime to win this game. Why? And and they turned the ball over twice, but but we only lost the turnover battle by one. It was just minus one because the Chiefs got a fumble from the Texans uh, late in the game, of course, but. They outgained the Texans by nearly 300 yards, but Carl Cheffers was refereeing the game, Chandler. Like that, literally, I, it is so soft to blame officials for results if you lose. I, I under, I, I believe in that. I think the, I think there should be an addendum to that rule, an asterisk, if you will. I will. And you have to put Carl Cheffers' rep games in that category because it's absolutely absurd. The inconsistencies, listen to this. This is part of the reason I love Twitter because you find nuggets like this in 15 years as a head ref, 
Carl Sheffers' cruise penalized the Chiefs 143 times. That's the most in the NFL. And for a total of 1,240 yards, that's the second most of any team. That's in the 15-year sample size. The average team caught 86 flags and 740 yards in that time span, meaning that that Carl Sheffers has thrown like 60 to 70 more flags just on the Chiefs in his career over the last 15 years than the average team when he officiates. I don't know what the hell is going on. The Chiefs are now 1-6 and six against the spread in the past seven games where Carl Sheffers was the referee. The chance of that happening is 5.5%. So all you need to know is that Sheffers has got money on the other team covering against the Chiefs. I mean, there's no other explanation. It cannot be that much of a coincidence. Seven games right there in the last seven, 15 years of data. And one way you can keep games close when there's a huge dog is through penalties. And that's what happened yesterday. The Chiefs had a ton of penalties. The Texans didn't have very many. And in key moments, the Chiefs had a ton of penalties. I liked what I saw from a lot of the pieces on the offense, but it really was just driven by Patrick Mahomes. And this team has just got to stop turning the ball over. Yeah, and and last point on the offense. I think maybe more to my starting starting slow um, point is just it. It was like we didn't we didn't want to run the ball in the first two drives, and it didn't make any sense. We get the ball back on the third drive. We're down seven zero. We start out the drive to end the first quarter with two big runs from Pacheco, and we go on and score a touchdown on that on that series. The Texans coming in, Johnny. We've said it every week. We talk about a Texans game. They had one of the worst rushing defenses in the league. You were like begging the listeners to start Derrick Henry when the Titans played Houston because you knew that he was going to go for like over 150 yards. So I'm not saying that Pacheco is going to give us 150 yards on the ground, but man, get him going a little early. And I know he had the fumble, but I think that's just a good way to, to supplement a slow start. Just try to get it going on the ground. Get physical and then go finesse. And I don't think the Chiefs do that. I think they do the opposite. I really do sometimes. So something to keep an eye on going forward. Let's get to the defense, Johnny. Um, God, I don't even know. I don't know what to say. Um, first off, I think the most concerning thing for me is zero pass rush. And I mean zero yesterday. Um, I absolutely really do not like where this defensive line's going. And I understand that Frank Clark made that strip sack in overtime to get the ball back. But man, for 58 minutes out of 60, or I guess I should say, what, 64 minutes out of 70? He didn't do a damn thing. I didn't see him out there one time. I mean, I know he's on the field. I'm being I'm being a little sarcastic here, but man, for what we're paying him, and I know we say this every week and it might sound redundant, but dude. He stinks. And the activity of the D-line was one of the bright spots that I was pointing to earlier in the season, and it's gone now. I don't know if they're fatigued, if they're tired, if they're banged up. I don't know what it is, but it seems that the besides batted balls, <laughs> I was texting this to Johnny the other day, or not the other day, excuse me, yesterday, and I was like, the best thing the Chiefs D-line does is bat balls down. And that should be about our third or fourth best attribute as a D-line. Um, they don't stop the run all that well. Um, they don't rush the passer all that well. And Johnny made a good point 
talking to him the other yesterday about everybody is focusing on Chris Jones, and I understand that, but dude, that's every week. That's not a new thing. He's been our only he's the only threat on the D line in terms of a scouting report that you go into a week against the Kansas City Chiefs and say, We're not gonna let this guy beat us. So Yes, I I agree, and I think that's a big deal. But Chris, dude, you know that coming in. Where are you at, Johnny? Your thoughts? I mean, where is he at? Yeah, I just kind of what we were saying last week. Like the the overall talent on the defense is just not very good. I called out Justin Reed last week. He had a good game. Justin Reed had a couple good tackles for loss, I believe. Um, he had second a pass on the defended. team, second on the team in tackles with six, one TFL. Great day. That's a safety. Okay. That's a safety day right there. Yes. Okay, but now you're looking at it. I'm not. What What was Thornhills? Because I didn't even know oh. if he was playing yesterday. He's. I just think he's just mid. I think he's. Yeah, he's mid trending bad. <laughs> one Thornhill had one total tackle, and it was not a solo. And he probably and a, had a thousand penalties. All right, man. So here's here's, you know, I was kind of pissed with the defense yesterday, but when you look at the numbers, like I said, they gave up 219 yards. Yes, it translated to 24 points, but like there wasn't that much success. They held the Texans to four for ten on third down. You know, like I. I just think I'm I'm trying to find the stat here. I don't know if this will tell me, but I really just think, you know, the the, the penalties were ridiculous. Yeah. The Chiefs had 10 penalties for 102 yards, and there were four for 33 on the Texans. Like, there were big penalties, too. Like, that drive, keeping drives alive. And I, you know, the turnovers by the Chiefs put their defense in a bad position again. So, like, I don't think the defense – is doing a lot to give me confidence come January in the game yesterday. I don't think the defense is as bad as maybe some people think the issue that the chiefs had uh, definitely special teams and we'll get there, but it's just getting after the quarterback in the first place is what has you, has you uneasy come January because they have, they, they have never been able to get to burrow they rarely can get to Allen, and you are going to have to go through those teams. And frankly, if I'm one of these wild card teams, Chargers, Dolphins, I don't know. Maybe not the Dolphins as much, but I, I'm I'm Kansas City doesn't scare me if I'm another fan like they did in years of past. You never want to play Patrick Mahomes because he'll rip your heart out. But just the I'm just going to talk in circles. I just think the Chiefs team is mid. Well, listen to this, Johnny. First downs from penalties, five for the Texans to two for the Chiefs. That yeah. right there in itself is some serious horseshit. Rushing first downs, they had five. And passing, they had eight. And I kind of tend to agree. I mean, Johnny, when you look at the scoreboard per quarter, the Texans scored seven points in the first, seven points in the second, th- uh, seven points in the third, and – three points in the fourth. I mean, if you look at that as a defense, you're hitting goals. That's a goal. I mean, you you hold a team to seven points at a quarter. I mean, you're going to take that every day of the week. So 
I guess uh, actually this this combo's made me feel a little bit better because I mean ten penalties for 102 yards, and how many of those were on the defense? I don't remember that many offensive penalties. I really don't. Um, and so it was all defensive penalties. Um, and the Texans, man, like they're bad. They're really bad. And and this was a spot where the Chiefs defense could get a little bit better and. Maybe they took a step underlying that we're not really seeing. Getting Justin Reed maybe active, maybe that sparks a little something, Johnny. I don't know. Um, but, man, Juan Thornhill, I thought was a guy that was going to be able to make some plays, dude. And he's non-existent besides getting flagged for penalties. And the problem is, is that I think on most of his penalties, I kind of agreed with the refs. It was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I just want more, and this is probably a topic for another pod, an, an off-season pod, but I really just hope the Chiefs have the resources or maybe the the drive to like add some 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 dogs to this team. I the, everyone uses the term dogs. Like I just want some really fucking good football players on this team. Like I don't he had a huge play yesterday. He's got five sacks on the year, but like I'm just done. With, I think I, I'm done with the Frank Clark thing, and hopefully, hopefully, this is a guy that proves me wrong in the in the playoffs and has another 2019 playoffs. Like he was, he was arguably the MVP of the team in 2019, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah, like Thornhill, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson. Like I don't know. Like I. I, I, it's, it's probably too much of me to ask, but I would rather have some more top end like names, I guess, or talent on the team. But anyways, you know, like they're eleven and three. It just doesn't. It just feels like there's meat on the bone for this team to be better. But maybe that's just a product of football being difficult. And not to mention Frank Clark yesterday uh, lined up offsides again and gave the Texans a first down after they threw the ball incomplete to extend the drive. I mean, of all the asinine things that Frank Clark has done, lining up offsides is by far the most asinine. I mean, it is just ridiculous for a defensive lineman to line up offsides. I do not get it. Offensive linemen don't line up offsides. They have the same vantage point of the ball that you do. So what the hell are you doing lining up offside? That's the most infuriating thing I've ever that happened in the sport of football, I think. Because it's so avoidable. That's the thing. Turnovers are not like they should be avoidable, but in the grand scheme of the sport, they're not. Offensive penalties are kind of avoidable, but they're really not because holding's tough. I mean, dude, there's holding on every play. I mean, it could really be called every play. So like, my point is, there's things in football that are very difficult to overcome. Lining up onside is not one of those things and should never be considered difficult to do. Hell, I could go out there and put my hand on the ground for a million dollars and not be offsides every time. So, like, it doesn't take talent. It's just a lack of awareness and understanding the situation of the game. If it's third and four, why would you put yourself in a, a position to give up a five-yard penalty? It's mind-blowing. Infuriating. And it's not just the Chiefs. Like, this is a league-wide message, but it just so happens to be our guy. 
It happens everywhere, dude. It doesn't make any sense. And while I'm fired up, let's get to the special teams. No, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Let me, let me, and I got to say one thing on the defense. Or okay, two go. Quick things. Okay. <laughs> that that would have been a dope segue. I kind of ruined that, but. No, um, no ruining. Only positive. It's Victory Monday, Johnny. The Chiefs are 11 and three. There's no time for negativity. It's positive only. Two things. One, uh, I think I've been waiting for this, but I can finally say nice game, Leo Chanel. Uh, yeah. Leo was really good this game. He's jacked, by the way. He just he looks great in a uniform. Yes, he does. You know, respectfully, bonk. But uh, <laughs> True. five total tackles, four solo, and he had a tackle for loss. Um, and he was right. You know, he was all over that that fumble play at the end on Mills. Uh, he was around the ball too. So that was good to see. Um, and then the second thing, uh, what, you, you mentioned that if you were to line up for a million or whatever, you could do that. If you took Karloftis off the back of George's jersey, and I didn't know who it was, you would pr- you kind of look like George Karloftis in a jersey. Like if you were back in, in playing on in like playing weight, I mean playing shape, about the same height. I mean, you might be a little bit taller than George. I, yeah, you could pass for George for only sure. Thing difference. Only thing difference between me and George is that my uh, my muscles are not nearly as big as his, and never have been, and probably never will be. Because he that is one thing he he looks like he is could freaking throw a bar through the ceiling with a lot of weight on it. Yeah, but he can't podcast for shit. So no, you know, yeah, I bet he can't long snap either. And what a segue right there, right to the special teams. Um, we'll start with returns first. Specifically, KOR, it just has to be over, right? Like, why? Why? This offense is so good that it can overcome bad field position. But, like, how many times do you are you willing to let that happen? Maybe it was a product of who we were playing. We were trying to get some things on film. I don't know. Maybe trying to get a big return. I don't know, but that dream is over. Um, let the ball go every single time. There's no reason why we should have to return it. Let's take it on 25 every time. We have the best offense in the National Football League, so just utilize it. Um, it, it doesn't work. I haven't seen him. He's had a couple of big returns throughout the year, but nothing that was close to really breaking a, a huge gain, in my opinion. So KOR, dead to me punt return same kind of thing um like seeing Kadarius back there but Johnny and I got in a good debate about about Kadarius Tony and we were talking about easing him back in because he didn't really have that much run with the offense yesterday and I was like are we easing him back in and Johnny was like yeah probably trying to ease him back in make sure he's 100% healthy for the final push and I agree with that but like, what's the coaching point of easing him back in on offense, but then putting him back on one of the most violent plays in the sport and having him return punts? And it was obvious that the message to him was try to make a play because I don't remember him fair catching it very much. So a guy who has a bad hamstring and easing himself back into playing shape, we're going to make him return punts and go from a standstill to being as explosive as you possibly can be. Um, that's a recipe for ruining your hamstring right there in it in itself. So 
what is going on with Dave Tube right now, Johnny? Or Tobe? I, I think it's funny when you say Tube, though. Keep I th- saying it. I think I say Tube every time, and I'm yeah. like, God damn it, it's Tobe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's okay. Let's start back. Um, totally with you on KOR. If the ball is going into the end zone, if if the Chiefs take a ball out of the end zone on KOR the rest of the way, I'm going to lose my shit. I mean, just guarantee yourself the 25. Let's just stop with the games. Even if it, they started kicking it short, the Texans started kicking it short because they knew we weren't going get to get to the 25. I think the first time was to like the 15 or the 16, and then it happened again and to like the 23 or 24. It's just not going to happen. So take the 25. Punt return. So Tony played five offensive snaps, and he played five special team snaps. So he played 10 snaps in the whole game. The five punt returns, the argument that I was making with you, I agree with your side. Like, it's an incredibly violent five snaps that you're playing. He is going to be the punt returner if he's in the game. So I think maybe that was just let's get him live reps. Let's just get him reps because he hasn't, you know, taken a punt in a game in four weeks or three weeks or whatever it's been. So let's just get him some reps back there. I started to formulate this opinion. I was like looking league-wide. I think punters have just gotten so damn good that if you can get anything on a punt return, that's good. I mean, I I, I could be wrong there, but like uh, Coach Tube in some of his media availability has talked about, you know, these punters these days can put the ball anywhere. Like you don't even really have to do coffin corner punts anymore because these guys can just hit the ball on the, the, the nine and they know where it's going to go the majority of the time. Like – and teams are so paranoid that if they send pressure, if getting a flag, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like I just, no, you. I think you're. I think that's actually a really good opinion and probably a very factual one too, because you're right. And uh, Tommy Townsend has now he'll will he'll piss us off here in a couple minutes, but he is turned himself into a phenomenal punter. He is booming the football um i don't think the texans had any punt returns yesterday and it was all a product of how of his hang time and the chiefs coverage that is one thing i think the chiefs punt coverage is very good um and it helps when you have a punter who can put the ball in the air for five seconds I mean, it doesn't take you that long to run down the football field so um that that's a positive but yeah i i i had never really thought of it that way johnny that's a really good point because any any positive return helps you negate the 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 total punt yardage so um great point there uh i guess let's move forward we'll we'll, little little tidbit here about tommy um he has really been one of the most improved chiefs i think over his career so far um and it was on display again yesterday i thought he punted really well um for the limited reps that he got um it's such a weapon and especially in the playoffs, um, it's not going to be easy, and he's going to have to be utilized. Um, and so awesome to see there. Hopefully he continues to do that. Hopefully he continues to just murder the football because it's only going to help our team moving forward. And Tommy 
is a huge key to the defense. Why do you say that, Chandler? He doesn't play defense. Well, let me tell you why. A bad defense does a lot better when you put it in situations where it has the advantage. Pinning teams deep is a huge advantage to a defense. He starts the defense. So anytime on the flip side, when the Chiefs turn the ball over and the Texans have the ball in a good position or the Broncos last week, teams that are bad can score when they don't have to go over 70 yards to do it. When you give them short fields and when you give them bullshit like the Chiefs have been doing for these teams, there's a reason why they're putting points on the board. Defenses in the league are at a huge disadvantage. And while the Texans don't have the best players, they're still professionals. They still know how to play football. They still know how to throw the ball. They still know how to catch the ball. They still know how to score. And um, it puts defenses in a huge bind. So, Tommy, huge weapon going forward. Keep improving punting now. Let's wrap up the show, I guess, on a bit of a negative note because we're going to talk about our field goal unit. Um, it's on social media from a former Chiefs. Dustin Colquitt uh, showing really good evidence of, of, of some, some kicking issues, starting with the operation. Um, I guess actually let's start maybe with the kicker uh, because I do think that there is, should be some defense against Tommy Townsend. Um, for those who don't know or those listening – some things have been coming out about Tommy Townsend's holding um, miscues this year. And the Chiefs, the 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 Harrison Butker missed 51 yarder, I believe, is the one that has everybody in a tiz because the laces are pointing to the um maybe it was the PAT. Regardless, laces were pointing to the sideline. Um, that isn't that big of a deal in terms of kicking. Talking to one of my former teammates, ex-kicker, uh, Zachy Drake, he – a PAT, a, a field goal within 40, the the laces are to the sideline. It's not that big of a deal. You're not kicking the laces. You're essentially kicking the fat part of the football. It just happens to be the laces are to the right of you. So Harrison Budker has got to figure some things out. I don't know if it's a confidence issue. I don't know if it's still a product that he doesn't trust his ankle from hurting it, rolling it on that kickoff, um, the plant leg, you know, obviously that's a huge issue for kickers, but it's inexcusable. And I have never had such little confidence in this guy on PAT, even in times when people were giving him shit about not being good on PATs. It has been a story throughout his entire career, but even in the past, I haven't had as much nervousness as I do right now. Um, I think it's a total mental thing. I think that everybody that's a Chiefs fan and a Chiefs player kind of feels like that. None of them are going to say it. Patrick Mahomes sure isn't going to say it. But I think in the back of their mind, they're all thinking it. It is one of the most mental positions on the entire football field. And right now, it is defeating Harrison Butker. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. No pun intended. It has to get better. He, just like Tommy Townsend, is going to be a huge weapon in the playoffs, either a weapon of goodness or a weapon of destruction in terms of the Chiefs because it could come back to bite us and look at teams like Green Bay who are notoriously bad at special teams. Minnesota missed big playoff kicks. It can ruin your season. And if the Chiefs aren't careful, if Harrison Bucker isn't careful, it could really be a detriment to this team come playoff time. 
So, um, Johnny, maybe your thoughts on uh, on Harrison Butker real quick before we get to a little bit more of the operation and the mechanics of the whole works. Yeah, he's certainly not without fault. And uh, Chandler, my headphones died. Can you still hear me okay? You guys, is it good? Okay. Yeah, so um, yeah, he's not without fault. Before this season, you know, I've always thought Butker was really good. He's had some some struggles with uh, extra points, which former figure it out correspondent Lucas Gant was a champion of the Butkers, a good field goal kicker, but not an extra point kicker. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and um, for a while he was really r- right. And and this year he's he's certainly right. But um, I've been a huge fan of Butker, and before this season. Every year, he was at least 89% on his field goals. This year, in 10 games, he's 76%. That's, I mean, a 13% difference from his worst season before this. That's a big deal, and this is only in 10 games. So, like, that's simply not good enough. Now, a lot of the time, the Chiefs get touchdowns, okay, over field goals. So maybe he's kicking less field goals. I, I mean, I don't even know. I'm just trying to make a. I'm trying to just make the point here. He's 28 of 31 on extra points. He's missed three in just 10 games. It is simply not good enough. I mean, I even think he missed one in preseason, and that's not even included in in this. So I, 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 I like Butker. But I have like the lowest of confidence I could have in him when he kicks, which sucks because he knows that he knows everyone is feeling that way. And no matter what you've done, like that's big. And, you know, he Andy Reid was saying after the game yesterday that, you know, kicking is a lot like batting in baseball, right? Like you go through a a hitting slump and you just got to keep taking your hacks and get out of it. I understand all of that, but it, you know, let's 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 go to to another sport. Um, it, like free throws. If you go through a free throw slump in basketball, you still got to see some of them go through the hoop. So like I need I you know, Butker's last kick was a missed game winner. So like I need him to see more of these go through and I just don't want to get to a point in January where it's a big moment and you know he's missed again or something like that and it becomes mental and we'll get to the the whole operation here in a second but just from his perspective it's not good enough it has got to be better because because he's damn he's been damn good yeah it just is really frustrating to see this many points left on the field he left he left four points on the field yesterday in a game that went to overtime so i just i i need more from butker i need more from from everybody on special teams. I just cannot believe we spend this much time every week on special teams, Chandler, with all due respect to the unit. It's just like, we shouldn't be talking about special no. teams. No, we shouldn't be talking about it. Let's start. Let's, let's get to my position. Long snapper. Um, he's just as much at fault for the, for the faulty holds in my opinion, as Tommy Townsend is now at the end of the day, the holder has to spin the ball if the laces aren't correct. But a little tidbit here for listeners. I don't know if everybody knows this, but you set the holder where you think, where the snap, where the snapper is going to snap it to the rotations of the football should line up 
with the yard marker that the holder is putting it down so that the laces are facing the line of scrimmage every time. And if you're not snapping the same way every single time, the laces start getting weird on you. And that, in my opinion, that's my theory right now, that yes, Tommy Townsend has to do a better job of getting the ball down and, and getting the laces getting the right way. But your long snapper has got to be better. And there's been several instances this year, none yesterday in terms of accuracy, but there have been several instances this year that Winchester has not been snapping the ball well on, on PATs or field goals for that matter. Great punt snaps. But a punt snap doesn't necessarily have to be as accurate as it does speed back there. You almost want to take a little bit off of your field goal snap. And now I'm not sitting here telling James Winchester what to do. Obviously, he is, you know, a a seasoned vet, I think double-digit years on his career. Like, the kid knows how to snap. But from a perspective of, of hearing it from a long snapper, a field goal is all about accuracy. You've got to get that ball right on the right to the holder, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and it's all a rotation thing. And if he's not spinning the ball back there like he does in practice or they work on it pregame and we get into the game and it's not the same, it's going to cause issues. And it obviously something's going on because that ball that he missed, the, the PAT that he missed with the laces pointing to the sideline, that could have easily been a product of the snapper, not getting the ball, the laces going the right way and getting them back there fast enough. So the fault starts with the snap. You can't have a field goal without a snap, and that will never change. And and that's my theory kind of looking at it from, uh, from a snapper's perspective. And when the ball gets back there, at the end of the day, Tommy, it's the hold's got to be better too. I mean, in the moment, obviously – what happens with the snap is going to happen. And then it falls onto the holder and then it falls onto the kicker. So things got to get cleaned up, Johnny. I do not like it at all. And it, 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 I hate talking shit on James Winchester, but right now he, he needs to play better. One thing that I find incredibly interesting, and it's great having you as a resource for this, having been on special teams you know, if you really want to learn more about football, or if you're a football junkie, then familiarize yourself with how much goes into the snap hold kick. It is, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. It's very intricate. Now, what's frustrating is like, what else are these guys doing at practice? Like, come on. It's fascinating to hear the best kicker of all time, Justin Tucker, who had a kick blocked and missed a 50 some yarder the, the other day. It's fascinating to hear him talk about the operation. And I love how he, how he frames it. He says that as you know, if the snap, like you said, has the right amount of rotations and is in the right position and the holder places the ball, how he's supposed to do it on the right spot, Right. The holder's got to put it on a, a predetermined, rehearsed spot. So don't put it too close to you or else the kicker's going to toe the ball. Don't put it too far. Or he's going to pull it. I mean, kind of like in baseball, when you want to hit an outside pitch, you got it's, it's outside. You got to go with it. And if the ball's too far away from the kicker like that, um, and I've learned a lot of this from you, like the, the ball can get messed up. So as long as the snaps rotations are right, the ball's placed it really does not have that much to do with Justin Tucker, with Harrison Butker. 
what Tucker says is that the ball kicks itself at that point, right? Because if all the factors are, if all of those factors are in play, you're really putting yourself in an unbelievable position for an, for a successful field goal attempt. Now, if there's like a 35 mile an hour sudden gust, like you can't predict that kind of thing. But if you can, out of all the variables that you can control, the ball just kind of kicks itself at that point. And we've just seen now uh, with some screenshots on Twitter, with some uh, videos that have been put together, that the main problem that's happening with the Chiefs kicking game is inconsistency. And how much of that can be attributed to Butker being injured for a few games. They've had three different kickers on the roster this year, right? Like, I don't think that much can be put to that. I think it's really just on Tommy and James and, and Harrison. Like, not even on two, on tube. All like, three. All three just, of them. They are going to have to get this fucking fixed, or it's going to be a detriment to this team as, as they go forward. You know, Tommy... If Tommy's not a great holder, okay, he's been holding for this is his third year holding in the league. I I need him to get better, right? Like what is what what is not good enough? So yeah, Chandler, it's just it's incredibly frustrating that we are just talking about special teams over and over and over again. And I I really just hope that it gets figured out soon. Well, good thing we had the Figure It Out podcast to do that, Johnny. Let's end on a positive note. The Chiefs win yesterday 30-24 to to improve to 11-3 and on the season. Seattle Seahawks coming to town Christmas Eve at noon. Get a little Christmas Eve football. Hopefully the Chiefs, uh, uh, you know, start our holiday off on the right foot. I think they will. We'll talk about it later this week with Blaine. He'll be back with us. Johnny as well, as always. Chiefs again, victory Monday, 11th one this season. It's been a fun ride so far. A little anger mixed in there, but all in all, a win is a win, and we will never apologize for that. Johnny, appreciate your time, brother. See you, Chan.